Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, all. Good evening. This is your Pugilistic Linguistic Show. I am your host, Michael Foster, the voice of reason in an unreasonable world. And tonight I'm going to be on a little something different as I usually am. Uh, tonight I'm going to keep it a little light, a little fresh. Uh, if you can hear my voice, this change in the season is still wearing my throat out, so I apologize for the unusual graveliness, if that's a word. But anyway, um, tonight I'm going to do a little something, a little something out of the ordinary. Um, anybody that knows me knows that I am a big fan of the hip-hop music. Um, I grew up with the what the DLC called the Rhythmic American Poetry. Uh, discovered that in my early teens, you know, mid-80s, mid to late-80s, you know, that's kind of when I started coming up, and and I, I fell in love with that music. So ever since then, I've been a hip-hop head for, you know, going on 30 years now. So I am a fan of the hip-hop music. I, I love all kinds of music. Um, if you can give me a beat, I can listen to it, I can dance to it all day, but Hip-hop has kind of like touched me. Chris Rock said, any time, any music that you first, well, how do you say, any music that you were listening to when you had your first girlfriend is the music that sticks with you for the rest of your life, and hip-hop was it. So, you know, to rap a little bit, I still kind of dabble in a little bit, CDs. I had a Timberland box full of of, of tapes, and uh, you know I used to carry that everywhere with me. I remember, I remember, you know, everybody had a shoebox full of tapes and CDs and and singles or whatever. But you know, I, I kept my little Timberland box with me, full of my favorite hip hop tapes, and that is something that I will never let go of. That music. Now let me let me ex- explain to you why I am perplexed these days in regards to the music that I fell in love with. Rap music is but one of the five um, principles of hip hop. Hip hop's the culture. Rap music is but one of the five facets of that culture. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, I haven't studied them on this in a while, but it was it's hip-hop music. It's, I want to say graffiti, DJing, breakdance, and for the life of me, I can't remember. I'm going to have to come back in a later show and, uh, you know, give you those five. But I know hip-hop music is, is one of the five principles of hip-hop. The culture. The music nowadays does not resemble what I grew up with. I don't know what this stuff is that they release to the masses, but a damn show ain't hip hop. Now, that's not to say there are not any uh, true standard bearers in today's game. Kendrick Lamar is a standard bearer. He is hip-hop to the core. 
I mean, I think he's making some of the best stuff out there. Um, there are a lot of underground cats, uh, especially on the battle circuit. That's kind of coming up now, the battle circuit. Cats like Daylight, uh, cats like um, Schoolboy Q. Uh, there, there are a few cats out there that are kind of really holding the mantle. But the dude you hear on the radio, the little Yachty's, and my nephew knows I can't stand that dude. But the little Yachty's and the uh, little thises and the little that's and cats that just don't take the art form and, 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 and attempt to leave it better than they found it. They're the ones that, that get under my skin as a, as a self-proclaimed purist. Um, so today's music does not resemble the music of my youth. Uh, part of the reason why if you go into my Spotify and go into my iPod, you don't see anything made almost after 2000. It's just so few and far between. I'll just stick with what I got. And what am I saying about all this? What I'm saying is hip-hop as a culture, as a music, is still there. You just have to go find it. Um you know how later generations take the game that they're participating in and take it to another level. Uh, Dr. J began the high, not began, but he started to mainstream the high flying act uh, above the rim play that Michael Jordan took and, and took it to the next level. And, and Allen Iverson and Vince Carter and the LeBron Jameses and so on and so forth down the line take where the last group left off and elevates it. This group of hip-hop or rap artists, I'm not going to go hip-hop, rap artists, they, they're not taking this and, 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 and uplifting it, leaving it better than they found it. You grow off of something, and it's supposed to come, it's supposed to sound like it came from your ancestors. There are ancestors in this game that these new cats are supposed to take the game from and uplift it. Uh, the word I use all the time, we have progenitors in this, and then the next generation is supposed to grab it and move it to another level. It's not happening in the game today. To that end, I began an undertaking a few years ago. In my mind, who are my greatest 100 hip-hop artists? Because I was having a conversation with a cat, and we were talking about the state of music today, previously, and he started throwing some names out, and I'm like, I don't mess with that dude, I don't mess with that dude. He just doesn't live up to the lyrical, artistic standards that the cats that came before him. So I said, you know what, let me, let me sit down and, and write you know, what are my 100 greatest? Who are my greatest artists? Now, I'm not going to bore you with 100, but I'm going to narrow the list that I started to 25. Uh, I may go out to my uh, written blog uh, soon and post the full 100 and a quick synopsis of them, but we're going to do 25. So this is the GOAT, the 25 greatest hip-hop artists of all time. Now, let me explain a few things about my criteria that I use to select this. 
First of all, this is my list. If you don't like it, that's the whole point. The point is to make you think about, you know, what's your 25, what's your 20, what's your 10, what's your 5? So this isn't the end-all list. This is my list. This is what I believe are the 25 greatest artists. Now, artists to me, it, it could be a person who's in a group, who raps by himself, just who has who the 25 most, most influential, maybe that's a better way to say it, I say go the most influential, the ones that have influenced the game and left it better than where they found it. This has nothing to do with record sales. I don't care if you sell five million or five billion or five thousand. Uh cannabis, who's not the twenty five, but he is in the top fifty. Cannabis is one of the fifty greatest artists, greatest rappers, greatest artists ever. And he might have sold 20 copies. His albums might have gone double wood. But he's lyrically insane. So this is not based on record sales. This is the the guys and the the girls, the men and the women, who took this game and and, and took it to a new place. So my 25 greatest hip-hop artists of all time starts with number 25. Snoop Doggy Dog, Snoop Dogg, Uncle Snoop, whatever he's called, Snoop Lion, that's the new one, Snoop Lion. Number 25 is Snoop. Snoop came out towards the tail end of the NWA West Coast, uh, the beginning of the G-Funk era, uh, with Dr. Dre and his protégés, the aftermath, all that. And Snoop simply was one of the coldest dudes to do it. A man grabs a microphone and freestyles an album that sells 4 million copies. Um, Insane. You know, he, a little bit later on in the game, you know, he hooked up a Master P, kind of went down south with it to get away from Suge Knight. And, you know, the the quality of his music kind of suffered. And uh, further along in the game, he got hooked up with the Neptunes and kind of come back into prominence. Kind of put the rack, the music down a little bit, turned to a reggae artist and overall um, personality. But Snoop Dogg is one of the 25 greatest hip-hop artists ever. He just has the flow. He's got the, 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 the delivery, the, the swagger, and I hate that word, but that's what he has. So number 25, Snoop Dogg. Number 24 greatest artist in hip-hop history, Run DMC. Now, why aren't they higher? Well, they have been higher. They've been as high as number five on my list. Uh, as I started dissecting this list, they kind of moved down and whatever. But Run DMC are the the, the first platinum artists ever, first platinum hip-hop artists ever. Uh, I believe their album, uh, Raising Hell, uh, sold the first million. This was the first million seller in hip-hop history, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But they are the first mainstreams. You know, they hooked up with Aerosmith in, in the mid-'80s. What rap group you know hooked up with a uh, even a washed-up rock group? Walk This Way was seminal. That introduced, that opened up a whole new world for rap music. I, I know hardcore rockers who love Run This Way, This Way, the Run DMC version. 
that open their minds to hip hop. Right there, that keeps them in a permanent placement in my top 25. Run DMC, number 24. Number 23, Queen Latifah, Dana Owens, the first lady of the flavor unit, the first lady of the native tongues, uh, all held the queen. Her debut album that came out in 89 was classic uh, from Ladies First, a duet with Moni Love from London, England, the first overseas rapper to hit stateside uh, and make a hit. Uh, Our House You, not Our House You, uh, Come Into My House, that's it. A uh, hip house collaboration, uh, hip hop and house music, uh, all held the queen. You go to uh, Black Rain, Nature of a Sister, uh, UNITY, that was my song, uh, Straight Bang in the 90s, Queen Latifah, the uh, single of the TV show. She's one of the first to transition after Kid and Play into uh, the visual media. So because of what she's done and the door she's opened and brought on a lot of ladies behind her of the flavor unit with uh, Naughty by Nature and all those guys, the Native Tongue Collective, uh, first the first lady of that, Queen Latifah, number 23, one of the greatest artists of hip-hop history. Number 22, The Far Side. Now, The Far Side only released three, two mainstream albums. Third came out a little later, but they were decidedly non-gangster, coming from the land that gangster rap was king. Uh, Delicious Vinyl Records out of L.A., an L.A. alternative rap group. And these guys smoked a lot, and they sang a lot, and they rapped a lot, and they were just different at a time when difference was needed. Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, their debut album was absolutely classic. I loved it. I listened to it back to back to this day. Soul Flower, um, Your Mama. Your Mama is so fat that she can get busy with 22 burritos when times are rough. I've seen it in the back of Taco Bell with handcuffs. Classic. That's Listen to Your Mama by the Far Side. You will die laughing. Uh, passing me by, other fish in the sea, Quentin's on his way. Then you got Lab Cabin, Lab Cabin California, the second album, with Running and Drop, classic material, The Far Side, number 22. For all my my podcast listeners who don't know these groups, I encourage you to go out and just sample some of their music, good music. Number 21, Kanye West. Now, don't I hear a lot of these words? I hear a lot of your your iPads hitting the stop button and turning off. Hear me out. Kanye West is absolutely a terror on the microphone. College dropout, late registration, and graduation were three certified classic albums. And when I say classic, I don't mean classic for that time. I mean all-time classic albums, like top 100 ever. College Dropout was absolutely insane. It was the music of Chicago. I'm a firm believer in every area has their own sound. You know, you got the West Coast sound, you got the down south, 
You got your, you know, your Bay Area and stuff. You got your, your, your East Coast. Chicago has its own sound. And Kanye West epitomized that sound, especially on college dropout and late registration. Graduation and my dark, twisted fantasy and life with Pablo and all this later stuff is very hit and miss. But if you want flat-out classic hip-hop material, Kanye West's first three albums, you could do no worse than that. You could do no better than that, I should say. Kanye West, number 21. Number 20, De La Soul. De La Soul means from the soul. Uh, the most original cast to come out in the late 80s, early 90s, just when Gangster was making his move, the black Afrocentricity was making its move. Uh, they were decidedly Paisley and Pastels. The Daisy Age is what they ushered in, the inner sound, y'all. Uh, three Feet High and Rising. Different. I mean, I think that's what made it so uh, accessible, as strange as that sounds. Because it sounded so different than what else was going on, it made it accessible to the masses. Um, Three Feet High and Rising with uh, Potholes in My Lawn and I Know and uh, Buddy and all that. And then you go from that to De La Soul is Dead, the next album. You're trying to kill that Daisy sound. And then they just went off on other plateaus, the AOI series. Uh, they just released a new album with about a month ago, that live orchestration. You know, they, 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 they hired an orchestra and, and kickstarted their album. Kickstarter funded it, just something different. And they are released from the constraints of a record label. So they make music that they love. And I heard that album. Shout out to my man, Cam. And it's classic, De La Soul material. De La Soul, number 20. Again, I encourage you to go out and listen to these. Just download some of their music. And this is quality hip-hop material. Uh, just so that you know, this is Go Part 1, Go Part 2. We'll pick up where I leave off. Uh, I will do that sometime during the week. So Go Part 2, be looking up during the week. Number 19, the Beastie Boys. At Rhyme or At Rock, MCA, Mike D. Three Jewish kids from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Um, scary. They frightened me. When, when License to Ill came out in 86, they scared me. They were just so different. They were so frat boyish. They were so, you know, whatever. But License to Ill was an absolutely quality album. First white guys to release an album on Def Jam. Went platinum, went multi-platinum, if I'm not mistaken. Paul Revere, best song on that album. Um, check it out. Uh, a story being told, of course, it's a, it a farcical story, but Paul Revere, best song on that album. Uh, Brass Monkey, terrific. Uh, Paul's Boutique, the second album. Hey, ladies, loved it. Uh, this, but this is when they started to experiment with different things. They weren't just decidedly hip-hop, but they were decidedly hip-hop. Uh, Paul's Boutique, you had your hot sauce committees, you uh, did, did check, your, check your head. I mean, they, they had checked the, um, uh, I can't even think of it now. I've honestly checked the rhyme. It's a different group. But the, the Beastie Boys became media 
MTV darlings, basically, in the late 90s, making hip-hop music for people who didn't like hip-hop. It was odd, but Beastie Boys, from License to Ill to um, Adam Yalch's uh, tragic death in 2012, I want to say, one of my favorite groups ever. Beastie Boys, number 19. Number 18, The Roots, The Square Roots, The Roots, uh, Jimmy Fallon's house band, uh, an absolute house band, a, a hip-hop band, I should say. They were using live instrumentation when the sample was all the rage. You know, uh, from Organics, their debut album in 93, to uh, Do You Want More, to Illidelph Half-Life, they built a steady buzz as the hip-hop band from Philly. They were never mainstream darlings. Uh, Things Fall Apart that came out in 2000, that kind of hit the charts with You Got Me and a couple other things, but they were more content to be a band who played clubs and who did whatever than to, you know, sell their souls to to make a couple dollars. The Roots, Black, one of the best hip-hop uh, artists ever to lead a band. Questlove, a musical genius, and a rotating cast of musicians. The Roots, check them out. Number 18. Number 17, N.W.A. Yes, N.W.A. They were influential. Straight Outta Compton was an influential album. It was very, very topical. It was very, very needed, very necessary at that time. Police police brutality was still a dirty secret in our neighborhoods when Straight Outta Compton came out. Uh, Fuck the Police, that's the name of the song, um drew the ire of the FBI. But the but but fuck the police was an actual actual song about how the sentiment was in our neighborhoods. It isn't just inflammatory. It isn't its purpose isn't just to inflame. Listen to what's being said in that song. This was cultural social commentary. Ice Cube wrote some very, very powerful lyrics for that group. Now, admittedly, when he left the group, that was the heart and soul, and they kind of went off the deep end and made some stuff that took them away from their revolutionary beginnings, of which I don't think they intended to be revolutionaries. They just intended to make music that was reflective of things that they saw. Ice Cube was the heart and soul, and when he went solo, the group kind of went down. They still made music that I liked, but it was just run-of-the-mill rap music at the time. It was still okay, don't get me wrong, but it didn't have that same depth, that same heft as the social commentary that Ice Cube wrote for them and went solo and wrote also. N.W.A., Number 17. Number 16, Public Enemy. 
Public Enemy was almost the East Coast version. Oh, we rephrase that because they came first. NWA was the West Coast Public Enemy, at least initially. Public Enemy showed the world the power that hip-hop music could wield. I think the one song everybody knows, Fight the Power, 89, um, that showed the world the powerful way that hip-hop music could touch the masses. They would educate without being preachy. Yo Bum Rush to Show, Fear of a Black Planet, Apocalypse 91, The Empire Strikes Black. I mean, they were unapologetically black. They showed what this, what the power that hip-hop music could wield if used correctly. Chuck D had one of the most powerful speaking voices. And Flavor Flav, the pre-Flavor of Love Flavor Flav, was the perfect hype man. He was the perfect sidekick, the perfect second banana. He was the comic relief to Chuck D's gravitas. Public Enemy, number 16. You need to check them out. Number 15, T.I. Yeah, I said T.I. As much as I try not to like those down south trap music artists, this dude grabbed my ear. And more than any other reason, he could flat out rap. He was rapping about the trap. He was rapping about drugs and shooting and guns. But he put words together that amazed me. T.I. made some quality, quality material. You need to go check him out, too. He's since branched off into movies. He can act. He's a damn good actor. I mean, he's a man of about time, jack of all trades. He can do it all. But I fell in love with his music and urban legend. That whole album I played back to back, and I don't do that for a lot of albums. T.I., number 15. Number 14, A.Z., AZ was down with Nas, the firm, Dr. Dre. AZ has a way of of of, of uh, moving words. He has a way of manipulating words that is insane to me. It, one instance, go to his debut album, Do or Die, came out in 95, I believe, somewhere in that area, and listen to the song called Ho Happy Jackie. And I don't even care about the topic. It's about a chick who uses her, her body to make her money. That is not why I want you to listen to that song. Listen to the way he crafts his lines and the syllables that he manages to squeeze into each line. Whoever thought that that sweet thing, bomb model material, the hated hot cereal, but go to be hot city, oh, really, though. That's one line. Listen to Ho Happy Jackie on his debut album. And I'll tell you, tell me if he ain't one of the greatest rappers to stand behind a microphone. Number 14, AZ. Number 13, A Tribe Called Quest. And I'll do the top 12 of my next one. Number 13, A Tribe Called Quest. A Tribe Called Quest is the only group 
that I have purchased every one of their albums. I didn't bootleg none of them. I didn't ask for a dub. I didn't have my man burn me a copy. I waited in Rose Records, downtown Chicago, and bought every one of their albums, brand new on the day it came out. I've never done it before. I've never done it since. A Tribe Called Quest was one of the greatest groups ever. Q-Tip, Fight Dog, Peace to the Dog. He died earlier this year and is still messing with me. Jerobi, Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Uh, uh, Queens Natives made some of the best 90s hip-hop music ever. Midnight Marauders, listen to it, their third album. Classic, top 10 album ever. Number 13, A Tribe Called Quest. We got 12 more to go, y'all. I will do the GOAT Part 2 tomorrow. Well, I'll count down my top 12 hip-hop artists ever. Again, I got a comment section. I got a Facebook page. This is open for discussion, and I encourage it. Please, please, please take a listen. Listen to some of these rappers that I spoke about. They are good, good people, good material. The GOAT Part 1, 25 or 13. Check me out tomorrow. Check out my Facebook page. But until then, take care of you because you all you got. Peace.